and welcome to the Educator Wellness Revolution, a new podcast from Empower Ed that explores educator wellness and explores new visions for teacher work-life harmony. Whether you are a teacher, school admin, or someone who cares deeply about educator well-being, this podcast is for you. Before we launch into our first episode, we wanted to share a bit more about ourselves and our passion for educator wellness. I'm Scott with Empower Ed. For 10 years, I taught in public and public charter schools in Washington, D.C. While I loved teaching, I grew increasingly frustrated by the systems and policies that failed to retain quality educators. I started the nonprofit organization Empower Ed to elevate teacher voice because I truly believe that when teachers lead, our students succeed. To me, educator wellness always corresponds to teacher leadership. I'm Gracie with Empower Ed. I've helped individuals with their wellness for over a decade. And for the past eight years, I've worked with schools and teachers to create an authentic culture of wellness, including with Empower Ed's grant through the state superintendent. While there are always considerable obstacles to educator wellness, I've seen real wellness transformations of teachers, leaders, and schools. I believe if we want to change our world, we have to start with its most important actors, teachers. We created this podcast because in our educator wellness work, We were having some inspiring conversations that felt too important to just keep to ourselves. We're eager to share these discussions on topics like restorative justice, staff-led professional development, non-evaluative feedback, and other tools that mitigate burnout and create real work-life harmony for educators. In this first episode of the Educator Wellness Revolution, we share more of our vision and interview an inspiring friend and colleague, Gabrielle DeBose. Gabrielle also supports Empower Ed's educator wellness work and is a full-time DCPS teacher who has worked for over 29 years in education. She has a passion for arts education and a deep enthusiasm for supporting teachers. We are always learning from Gabrielle and know you will too. Enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our very first episode of the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast through Empower Ed. We're so happy you are here. I am Gracie Obohovich. I am one of your hosts, and I am going to let Scott introduce himself. Hi, everyone. I'm Scott Goldstein. I'm the executive director of Empower Ed, taught in D.C. for 10 years before starting this work and super excited about all the conversations we're going to bring to you and all the wisdom we can share about educator wellness, about teacher leadership and teacher retention in this space. So super happy to be here. Thanks, Scott. Okay. Hi, I'm Gabrielle DuBose. I am a public school educator. I'm also a working with Empower Ed. And so I've got lots of experience from public school education to charter to private. I also owned a small performing arts school for about five years in the Dallas, Texas area. And I've been working with Scott and Gracie for a couple of years now in the area of wellness and some other advocacy areas in terms of public school education in DC. And I'm delighted to be a part of this podcast. Thank you so much for being here, Gabrielle. And a little bit more of my background too is that I am a wellness coach and I've worked in schools in Washington, D.C. for the past, how long has it been? Eight years now. And I've been so lucky to be partnered with both Scott and Gabrielle as we've done work on what educator wellness really is. And that's what our podcast is going to be about that we're going to explore over the coming episodes of how how do educators manage the workload that is on them and how do we also help to change the system so the workload that is on teachers is not so intense. I would I'd love to start with both you, Scott and Gabrielle, and ask you a question because both of you are educators. 
And both of you have been doing this work. And I'm really curious what you have learned about educator wellness that you didn't know before you started really actively working on this. Like what has surprised you? What have you learned? What have your aha moments been? And let's let's go to you first, Gabrielle. I would say that what I've learned is it's taking educators a while, a minute or two, to actually understand what wellness work means. I think, you know, of course they know they could define the word, but as we've been going along in this process, and of course every teacher, every school is at different places, different levels, but it's taking um, teachers a while to actually wrap their minds around and grasp what it means to have a life of wellness, especially when you're talking about within the school itself to improve school culture and, you know, build better relationships and have teachers be at their better selves in order to meet and greet and work with their students. And so it's surprising that it's taking a minute or two for teachers to understand what wellness means. But I'm delighted to also report that as we meet with individual schools and teachers and educators and and wellness groups, that over time, like with anything else, over time, when you hear something long enough, you're having conversation about it, you're engaging in the work of the activity with others, then that's when I've noticed educators being able to bring wellness, the concept to a tangible fashion for themselves in order to actually engage in this work. Yeah. But they do come along. Yeah, totally, Gabrielle. And I've been in education for 15 years now. And I think whether you've been in education for 15 years, 30 years, 45 years, 100 years, you know that education is an area of initiatives, right? We always moving from one initiative to the next and the next, there's always a trend in education, but there's some things that stay stable. And one of those things are that no matter what those new initiatives are, we put them on the teacher. So we're always coming up with a bright new idea that's going to close the achievement, the opportunity gaps that that hasn't been as successful as we want. And because of that urgency that we all share to serve our students better, we're always adding. And when we add, we're always adding to the role of the teacher, whether that is on you know new initiatives for how we're going to catch up from the lost learning of the COVID and additional tutoring or mental health supports or student behavior supports or how we report and how we deliver through technology, we're always, always adding to the role of the teacher. And so we are in a particular moment right now, a crisis really with teachers leaving the classroom that, you know, as they say, crises are also opportunities. And so we can either stare this in the face and realize that there's this incredible crisis with teachers leaving the classroom because the nature of work has changed and other jobs have gotten flexible while teaching has not, that there's a mental health crisis with our students and also with our teachers, that student behaviors can be more complex and challenging, that technology has complicated how we do education and be overwhelmed by that. But we can also view it, I think, as a tremendous opportunity to change how we do things in a positive way, transform some things that haven't been working by redefining in some ways the role of the educator in a way that centers their wellness instead of puts more and more on the role of the teacher. So that's what I'm excited about. And that's what I think, you know, we're learning about right now, which is there is a real hunger to center the role of the educator and their wellness as a person and not just as this, you know, doctor who's going to come in and solve every immediate crisis that comes up in the education field, but as a skilled professional tactician who knows their craft and should be trusted with the work that they're doing. And also as a whole person who has needs outside of the classroom and the school. Yeah, 
And, and if I could just add here for just a second and say that a lot of it, and I hear it coming out of your, your comment and what you shared, Scott, as well, is teachers giving themselves permission to be empowered and 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 say, vocalize uh, to admin, administration, et cetera, uh, the wellness needs that they have. So I think a lot of times with educators, the hesitancy is first in understanding what wellness work means for the individual teacher and for the school culture as a whole. And then, and then teachers being empowered through that process to freely say, well, these areas, you know, within the course of the day do cause me stress. And here's how I, I would like to see my schedule flex more, or here's where I would like to collaborate with my colleagues more so that I'm not stressed and my wellness is not at odds empowering teachers once they understand you know what wellness work is about and also having administration be on board and buy into the fact that wellness is critical to the survival of teachers remaining in the profession which is going to positively impact you know our students so something key too to the wellness work is time you know giving time for the individual oh, and for the school. Yeah. Yeah. We only had more time, all the things yes. we could do in education. It's always the thing, right? Yes. I mean, I, right. so like in the work that we're doing with schools now, we're with the support of ASI, the state superintendent's office here in DC, using this whole school framework, which means we're approaching wellness, not just as individual wellness, but which is really important, the individual self-care and wellness, yeah. but also interpersonal relationships, strengthening the organizational culture and also systemic and organizational policy practice changes that have to happen. So I'm curious, Gabrielle, within that structure of the individual change, the interpersonal work, the organizational change, where do you see the needs in each of those areas right now from the work that we've been doing so far? What's really standing out about those three levels of change? Well, the individual self care, the individual wellness, I think is coming along just, just fine with the teachers and schools that we're working with. I also see growth in terms of school culture and teachers aggressively going after forming and fostering better relationships among themselves and also between them and administration. The challenge I think still lies with, and we talked about this at the beginning of the work, systemically and within the organization itself and with the policy itself. Like, you know, we don't want this to be just a moment in time in 2022 and 2023, where we've gone through and done these great workshops and sessions with these schools, you know, and the teachers have seen growth in terms of a more improved school culture relationships. And then it just sort of dies and goes away because part of this work is supposed to be also having new policies or policies refreshed and renewed where wellness practices and policies are, or wellness practices and activities are part of the policy of the school so that we can go and grow from here. You know, our return to the schoolhouse post-COVID was, oh, we got to find a new normal. But unfortunately, in many instances, we have been asked to, whether it's in education or other fields of careers as well, to go back into where we were before. And so if there's one thing that COVID has taught us, it is this. When we had more time to focus on self-care, we became better individuals and citizens. We're able to approach work in a a different mindset, a more positive mindset. So I want to see this wellness work become part of the fabric of the schools. And that's my concern that it not just be a moment that we had and it just goes away. I want to see us be really innovative and continue to go after wellness practices. I think there's this fear that comes up when when organizations start to make space for the wellness of their employees, 
your staff members to like, if, if we start to give them on the space, then, you know, like all the havoc is going to, and I really do not think that that is true. It's like, I feel like when we prioritize educator wellness, they get the energy they need to lead more and, and actually, as you said, be creative and innovative. So part of this work, I think is changing that zero sum mindset that like somehow like me giving you wellness is going to take something away because yes. it really benefits everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to go more personal in our questions here. Cause I, um, Gabrielle, we talk a lot about teacher retention and you are a 29 year educator. So I would say you are retained. We have retained you. You're a lifelong educator. But t- tell us more about that. Cause I, I, I think that you hold a lot of what people who maybe are struggling right now to want to stay in their jobs, even though they love teaching, like how have you been able to stay in the game for so long? And what advice would you give to teachers who, who, yeah. Wow. Need to hear it. Okay, that's a loaded question. I will attempt to answer some of that on this call because for the rest of it, we would need more time. Part of it, Gracie and Scott, that the staying power for me is the relationships that I've been able to foster with students and families over the the many years that I have, decades that I have been teaching. Again, whether it's public, private, or charter, relationship is critical to really um, understanding what motivates a child to learn and how families can better support their children, whether their kids have special needs or not. And so for me as an educator, as I've been able to build relationships with students and families, that has eternal value for me. So I can't approach education from a just drop in and out situation because relationships are important. And then when I look at what is offered to students when they do well in education, uh, part of what drives me to stay involved in this profession is my wanting to see the uh, education gap, the achievement gap lessen when it comes to children of color. You know, hey, I'm a black woman. I'm just going to, you know, tell it like it is. I, I want to be a part of that work where I'm able to bring education opportunities closer to communities of color who have not always had a fair share in terms of accessing uh, competitive education. So that has also driven me to, to remain and stay apart. And at this stage of my career, if I'm not pursuing purpose with education, with families, et cetera, then I may as well not do it, you know, because it's only those things that are going to be life-changing that are purpose-filled from my perspective. And that keeps me coming back again and again and again. Yeah, so relationships and also helping underserved communities access a competitive education, that has been part of the staying power for me in terms of remaining in this profession and encouraging others to do the same thing. There's so many people who, I mean, I think for me as a teacher, the relationships with my colleagues, right? We're one of those things that when times were at their most stressful um, and my burnout was really high, that it was my relationships with colleagues that were really sustaining me and the colleagues who were, you know, next door that we were learning from. And so much of our, our education reforms have tried to kind of set up arranged marriages of how we will learn from each other instead of allowing us to take advantage of the organic relationships that exist in the building already. I always felt like 
I learned the most from times when I had to share a classroom with someone else, when there was a teacher who was across from across the aisle from me and we greeted our students. So we were in the hallway for five minutes together between classes and could just share a moment. And, you know, part of what we're trying to do, I think, in our work with schools is like take advantage of the relationships that already exist instead of trying to create whole new structures. Think about how we can build on the trust that already exists between people. Um, but we are, you know, running against, I think, these dynamics Gracie talked about before about these zero-sum mentalities, right? Which is that, you know, there's a difference between what's good for students and what's good for adults or for teachers, or there's a difference between, you know, the time that teachers are putting in, right? Or how additional flexibility for teachers might somehow be bad for our students. And so we really have to fight, I think, the narrative that uh, they, these are not one and the same because we know that, you know, you can't pour from an empty cup when our adults are well, our students are well, and that adult wellness supports the wellness of our students. And so I think they're at every level that message has to start to shift the practices that we have at the school, meaning the principals have to see that, right, that empowering their teachers actually makes their job a whole lot easier, that the shared leadership, that teacher and staff-led professional development takes a burden off them, that building trust among their staff takes a burden off of them from the training of new staff every year and the repeated professional development and the initiative fatigue that people, and that, you know, the investment up front in creating this sustainable culture of wellness takes so much pressure off or organizationally, all the things that they're trying to do. But there is a kind of mentality to fight against, which is one of teachers need to sacrifice, right, for the sake of, for the good of the school, for the good of the students, instead of that win-win that we know exists because we've seen schools that do it well, right, which is that when you serve your teachers and your staff well, you can really see amazing transformation in the work you're doing with students too. Yes, and and to that end, Scott, like when do uh, teachers stop being human, you know, teachers are one students and the wellness work and, you know, the way it, part of our pedagogy is making certain that our students are well and that we are offering differentiated teaching and that we are, you know, doing small groups and make, making phone calls to families, that kind of thing. And that develops relationships with us, between us and, and our students and our families. But when do teachers as adults stop having the same types of needs? We don't. You know, we're human and we've got, we're adults. We've gone through, uh, obviously what our students are at right now, we've already gone through those stages in life, but we have some of the same needs. And so I would just echo and piggyback and confirm what you said as well, you know, that it should not be teachers reach a certain level. And all of a sudden you don't need any of that stuff. You don't need any wellness. You don't need to focus on relationships. You don't need to be, make sure you're working in a healthy cultural environment. Those are all false, you know, yeah. because we're big kids. We have some of the same needs. Yeah. And, and I, th I think when there are moments where it can just feel so complicated when we're working on school on us to be like, how do we make this whole flexible scheduling thing work? And like this, you know, bring restorative justice practice in. And, and mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I think it is just about we're human beings and a, and a system that we all want to improve on some level. And we just have to keep coming back to that, that we need to like be in relationship, as you said, Gabrielle. So thank you for always bring in the truth. And I, um, one of the best parts of getting to work with you, Gabrielle, are your, I call them Gabrielisms. And they're just little, little statements from your heart that bring hope. So as we close out our conversation here, I do you have a Gabrielism for us all right now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, well, let me see. <laughs> okay. This is going to be a funny one. <laughs> I tell my students all the time, we want to make sure that you all are getting everything that you need to have a quality education because we are going to hand you all the baton. You're going to take 
this country. You're going to take, you know, the city, the country, the nation, the world, and you're going to run things. I tell my students, <laughs> you better be paying attention to what's going on in the classroom because if I don't have any teeth anymore in my mouth, I'm going to make sure we have leaders that know what they're doing. <laughs> so, Gracie, that may not be what you wanted, but <laughs> that was top of mind. Listen, in order for teachers to prepare students for the future, which is theirs, teachers also have to have access to making certain that they are working as in a in as less of a stress-filled environment as possible so we can hear innovation when it comes, so we can receive it and we can prepare these great lessons and wonderful, fun learning opportunities for our students in, in school. Those things that you can't read that from a book. The individual teacher who is in this profession because they know it's a calling has to have the time and the space to be well so we can be creative and we can have these great small, small group opportunities et cetera, for our kids. We need wellness. Yes. Gabrielle, it's always so great to receive your wisdom and your humor. We hope to continue to have you on the podcast in the future. And we have so much to come on this podcast. We're going to talk to teachers who have revolutionized how you sit in a classroom. We're going to talk to people who are experts in restorative justice, not just for students, but for adults. We're going to talk to people in schools, teachers and principals who are trying to make flexible scheduling work and revolutionize the role of the teacher and center educator wellness and people who have just an incredible array of experience. We are so excited to bring all of that to you. We hope you'll stay with us for the Educator Wellness Revolution podcast. We're so grateful to you, Gabrielle, again, for kicking us off on this first episode. And we're excited for all of the conversations to come. Yes, we are. Thank you, Gabrielle. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Gracie. Thanks, Scott. Bye-bye. Bye. Hi there. Thank you so much for listening to our show. If you enjoyed it, please pass it along to another educator wellness advocate and rate us five stars so others can discover our podcast. We also hope you stay in touch. We'd love to hear your questions, ideas, and recommendations for future podcast guests and themes. Just email us at wellness at weareempowered. That just looks like weareempowered.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter and TikTok with the same handle as EmpowerEdDC or visit us at WeAreEmpowerEd.org. Thanks again. We are all part of this educator wellness revolution and we really appreciate your time and energy. Mm -hmm.